Hey, welcome everybody. Glad you're here. Um, happy Thanksgiving post, I guess is how you say that, right? And um, I'm pretty fired up about this um, this series we're doing, Christmas Not Simple. Gosh, you know, you know how every year around the first of the year, we all, you know, get all pumped up. Hey, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to lose, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to get a, a, a six-pack or maybe a four-pack or maybe a two-pack. And... Um, Get all pumped up for that, and then we don't do it. Um, same way, sometimes this time of year, we kind of get going on holidays, and, and we're like, oh, I'm going to, this, 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 this season, we're going to make things better. We're going to simplify. It's going to be better. We're going to not get caught up in all this hoo-ha and so forth and so forth, and then we don't do it, right? Um, we're going to try to, you know, figuratively speaking, pound this idea, Christmas.simple, into your minds and into your brains over the next four weeks during Advent. It's really our Advent series. Today, I know it's hard to imagine, as Charlie said, with the weather. Um, this is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent means coming, and that, of course, is anticipation of the coming of Christ and the birth of Christ. And we really, in all seriousness, want to make this time about that, anticipating the coming of Christ on Christmas Eve. This series, Chris wraps this series up on Christmas Eve. Now, we got, we got a lot of Christmas Eve services for you. Check the website about that. Um, I can't remember what all they are, but uh, they start like around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I think. So um, we'll keep you updated on all that. But the big idea here is it's another year, it's another Christmas. What's going to be different this year than last year? And um, we really want you to stop and think and maybe even refocus, as the case may be, about the Christmas season and, and that it would make this your intention. Of, of something different happening with you uh, this Christmas season, and really make it special. It's going to take some effort on your part. It's going to take some thought on your part, some conversations, and I'm going to give you some tools to kind of, kind of think through that. I remember many years ago, we, for those of you who don't know me, we, uh, our family, my wife and I, and our two kids, we spent about 18 years almost in, in Colorado before coming to Washington, before coming here. And... Um, one year, I remember vividly several years ago saying, okay, we're going to really do something special this Christmas. We're going to simplify. I don't know if I used the word simplify, but that was my, that was my intention. And I said, you know, here we are living in Vail, Colorado, one of the most great, greatest winter places in the world. And um, what are we doing this Christmas? Let's go up into the White River National Forest and, uh, and cut us a Christmas tree. I mean, you go to the ranger station, it costs you 10 bucks to get a permit. You, you, you go, and I got tons of friends that I can. I went to my friend who has a ranch that that uh, borders the White River National Forest, and, and he said, yeah, whenever you, he's got a whole, you know, a whole slew of snowmobiles, and so I took our, our son, Chris, our daughter, Stephanie, Charlie, and I, and we got on, like, I think three snowmobiles. Stephanie was young at the time, and she got on, on the back of mine, and, and we went up back into the White River National Forest with snowmobiles with snowshoes. We're going to get a Christmas tree. Great idea. Simplified, beautiful, romantic, everything, just everything great about it. You get to the first one, and you you know you you you're up to you know you're up to here in, in, in snow first of all, and and you can't move, and then you get there, and you, and all the oh that's a great tree, Dad. Oh, that's a better tree. Over, that's a better one over there. There's 3.2 million acres of White River National Forest. Okay, and 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 you're like oh there's a better one over here. Oh no, and you're going around, and you're just exhausted. You're soaking wet. You just go sweating and everything, and you finally find the tree. This is the one. This is the one. You know. So you cut that thing down, and you just, by this time, the humor has left. And all the, the Christmas spirit is not there anymore. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And we get this 
stupid tree. We get the tree, drag it back. You know, I got to cut it down first of all, you know, put the permit on, make sure in case somebody comes along, make sure they know I'm legal and everything. Get it back to the house. You get it in the house. It grew. <laughs> I mean, it was huge. And Charlene was like, how are we going to get this? I mean, and of course, Stephanie at that age is young and she's like, oh, this is great. I said, where are we going to walk? I mean, you know, it didn't. <laughs> It didn't look this big out in the forest, you know? It's just, and it was just, a, I mean, it was a disaster. And, and, and I, did, I tried it again a couple of more years. About the fourth year, I went by myself. I was so out of sorts by the time I got down. I said, okay, next year we're going to go buy a stinking tree down here, down the street. This is ridiculous, crazy. My point is that sometimes we think this is a great idea. We're going to simplify. We're going to make this thing good. We're going to make it better. And it backfires on us. And that's exactly what happened with me in that particular issue. So sometimes simplifying means we've got to go back, we've got to retool, we've got to rethink, we've got to refocus, and, uh, and try something different. And that's exactly what happened with me. That's exactly what I'm talking about when we talk about Christmas.simple. Today, I want to I I just center in on this one theme of simplicity. Big word, seriously, big concept, not a big word. Simplicity. And I'm going to define it for you two ways, all right? Real simple. I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to talk about this Christmas dot simple or simplicity. Two, two, two words that we'll just unpack a little bit for you. One, necessity. Two, gratitude. Great theme for Thanksgiving weekend. But let's talk about, first of all, this whole thing of necessity. You know, necessity is a big word. I mean, really. I have a need. I have a need. What's your need? My grandson told me. I need, I really need this whatever it is, World War V shoot 'em up thing on Xbox. Granddad, I really need that. I don't know why that was coming to Granddad. Hey, Granddad, I really need these new things. I really need this. I said, what do you think I made out of? Money? Well, yeah, but you got more than Dad. Anyway, um, I guess it's just the nature of the position, right? Uh, um, is that a need? So I, had, I, wanted to kind of, I wanted to kind of massage that word a little bit, necessity, to give it a better understanding of what we're really talking about here. So here's my word, necessity-ish. I mean, that's what it's, I mean it's necessity-ish. Okay, we're looking for the concept here. I mean, and again, needs, we, it's, I had a need this week. We, we drove, we drove uh, to see my folks in Ohio, just north of Dayton, Ohio. And uh, Charlene and I drove, but we were going to drive, and then, and then Ike and Steph, our daughter and her husband, and their two kids, a nine-month-old and a four-year-old, we'll go with you. Oh, great. That's great. And, um, and we, we have a, we, I thought we had a really nice big uh, uh, SUV, the uh, uh, Acura, you know, uh, MDX. Boy, that's a small car. And, um, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's that small, and and and, and uh, you know it's an SUV, but gee, uh, we, and, and, and Stephanie gave me specific. We need to do it, do it, and leave in the evening, so we go through the night because that way the kids won't wake up. Be easier traveling for the nine-month-old and for and for even the four-year-old. And I said, oh, no problem. She said, but Dad, you can't drink Diet Coke. And she knows I drink. I, I can't drink Diet Coke. I'm going to stay awake. She says, well, because if you drink Diet Coke, you have to stop a lot. You know what I mean? I said, yeah, I know what you mean. And. Um, Caffeine, never mind. You, you understand if you're over 40. And, um, and if you don't, I don't like you. But, um, but, but uh, I, I said, okay, we, we can do this thing. So we leave like at, like at uh, 4.30 in the afternoon from here, uh, Tuesday evening, horrible weather, the whole thing. And I'm thinking we stop somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has got to be the longest state in the, 
I mean, it is just awful, isn't it? Can't they, like, just, like, turn it around or make it, you know, turn it that way or something? But, but anyway, um, so we get in the middle of Pennsylvania, and it's, it's like, it, it's real slow traffic. And, and, and I got, you know, got this thing going on, and I'm like, uh, I'm going to have to go, we got five or six, GPS says six hours to home, and I always try to beat that. And... Um, <laughs> And, and, and to, to my parents' home in, 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 in Dayton, north of Dayton, Ohio, and I said, okay, I can do this. But So I stopped. We stopped, and, and I didn't get anything to drink. I knew I couldn't get anything to drink. But I got this. Uh, you ever see these little things about that big? They're like, this is six-hour or five-hour energy. Yeah, I've never had one of those. And I said, I'm buying one, baby. I'm buying one. I popped that baby. Man. I'm like, oh, man, this is great. Let's go. You want to go to California? Let's go. Come on. We can go. This is great. I'm loving it, man. And I'm like, I'm five and a half hours. Boom. I don't stop. I don't do anything. And it's great. I, I, it, it, so it got really kind of tricky because at the end, the, the, the GPS says you have 55 miles to go. I look at the gas thing. It says you have 45 miles left of gas. I'm like, what am I going to do? Tony Stewart right here. I pulled in behind a semi-truck. I drafted for like all the way from Columbus to Dayton. I drafted behind a semi-truck at 70 miles an hour. By the time I got to Dayton, I'd picked up 10 miles, and I got there to my parents' house with three miles to go. Is that amazing? Is that amazing? That was epic. It was epic. <laughs> Thank you. It was epic. I mean, I got out of the car at 3.30 in the morning. I'm like, yeah! <laughs> and Charlene says, are you going to bed? No! <laughs> yeah. I couldn't sleep. It was awful. Anyway, sorry. I just, I just had to tell you that story. But it, the whole thing, the whole thing was need, need, need. Was that a need? Well, it kind of was. Was that a big need, like a person who really needs maybe a job? It's a little different, isn't it? Or maybe a, a better job that will just like cover the overhead. You see. Need is a huge issue. And what might be a need for you, somebody else may look at and they might say, yeah, I don't think that's a need. And you're going to say, yeah, but you're not me. So I wanted to get a couple of passages in the Bible that talks about this whole thing of necessity-ish. And, and I, I, I just, I end up camping on this one proverb, which is a prayer. It's really two verses, three verses. It's really a prayer, and it's a prayer that I love, and I've seen many times, and I have it underlined in every Bible that I have, because it just says it all. It's Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Some of you are thinking, whoops, too late for that. Well, start over. You can start now. Start now. Especially if you're a Wall Streeter. I mean, you know, never tell a lie. No, I'm kidding. Every, I'm joking, every one of us, whatever our line of business, even in the ministry, trust me, I have to ask myself, I have to check myself all the time about exaggerating something. How many people did you have yesterday? Oh, gosh, probably about 1,500. Well, maybe not. You know, every one of us, whatever our, our line of work or even, even in just daily lives, golf, whatever, um, I have, to, I have to check that. That's his first part of his prayer. Help me never to tell a lie. But then second, now watch this. This is just so good. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's 
holy name. You say, wow. Well, what is just right? Is there a median income here we're looking for? Wish we could do it that way. We really can't. Some of us have longer trains behind us than others. A friend of mine, one of my friends in, in Colorado, about where he saw uh, one of his homes, a fourth home. He had four. And I said, well, what are you selling that for? He said, well, I, I said, dude, I said, you had enough money to last you forever. And he's like, yeah, but Rich, the train behind me is very long. And I said, I understand, you know. For him, it needs one thing. My other friend who just trying to make payments in his small three-bedroom home, middle of nowhere, Ohio, needs quite different. Both are just as important in God's eyes. So when I say need, necessity-ish, um, I'm really not trying to be too funny. I'm trying to be serious about that because that's, that's what it is. It's, it's a relative term. And what I really want to do when I, when I see this, this, these verses, give me neither poverty nor riches, give me just enough to satisfy my needs. Uh, for if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? If I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. What I want to do just for a moment is unpack that and to try to capture the spirit of what this, what this is saying. Just want to capture the spirit of it. And, and, and here, here, let me just kind of show you how we're going to do that. I mean, what he's telling us here, first of all, there's nothing wrong with trying to avoid poverty. That's the first thing we can see. I mean, that's, that's true. Nothing wrong. I've got to dust myself off here. Uh, there's nothing wrong with trying to avoid poverty. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with trying to do a little better to keep from being in the tank, poverty tank at some point, however you want to define poverty. Number two, uh, abundance isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Abundance isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Don't, don't misunderstand. I believe it's a blessing. I have one friend who's done very, very well. And we talked about that. I said, you know, God's really blessed you. A lot, of, a lot of issues in the home, a lot of brokenness, a lot of kids doing this and going there and in rehab for this and all this other sort of thing. And I said, God's really blessed you in many ways. We were out playing golf one day, and I just mentioned that. He says, you know, Rich, I'm not sure it's a blessing for me because I do have a lot. It's caused me as, as many problems as it has solved. So abundance isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Don't misunderstand. I think it's fine. I think it can be, it can be used as a blessing from God when you're, when you're generous and you're giving. It can, be, it can be tremendous. So I'm not saying if you have an abundance, you're, you, you, know, you did something wrong. I don't believe that. I think, that's, I think it can be used as a blessing. But, but use it and treat it as a blessing from God and not just to try to enable people or, or avoid issues and so forth. Use it the right way that God intended it to. Enjoy it, but be generous. Um, another issue, life doesn't have to be about accumulation, security, and simply getting more. doesn't have to be about that. We think of it like that sometimes, but it doesn't have to be. It can be about, hey, how can I do some things to really help people and honor God? Wealth, the other issue I think from the, 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 the capture the spirit of these verses, wealth can turn us into arrogant Independent jerks. I don't need. I, I don't need anything. I got all I need. And you know what? You don't. You don't have to have a six or seven or eight figure net worth to be that person. You could have a lot less than that and still be the same way. The, one of the big myths is: well, if you have a lot of money, you can turn into a jerk. I've known a lot of people who thought they were just just fine and they didn't have much, and they were just as arrogant and just as independent as somebody who 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 had you know 
who is worth the same amount of them with about four or five extra extra zeros at the end of their net worth. So it, it, it's, it's a classless thing, this whole thing. It it's not a class. It's not an income. It's, a, it's an attitude. Wealth can turn us into arrogant, independent jerks. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to take that just for a minute. I want to apply that to Christmas because we're talking about Christmas.simple. Christmas doesn't have to be the ridiculous gift-giving bonanza that it is. It doesn't have to be. Nothing wrong with gifts. It's great to honor people and let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. But it doesn't have to be this, this ridiculous bonanza sometimes of gift, bigger and better and more. Um, total insanity of Black Friday. I mean, my gosh. 11, what, what, $11.4 billion was, uh, uh, was uh, consumed on Black Friday, I think, according to Daily News or The Post or one of those very reliable sources. Um, um, $11.4 billion. Listen, you know, we were in Ohio, as I said, and my sister, oh, we're going go to go to Walmart or whatever it is. At 10 o'clock, we're going to go because it opens up at 11, and they're, and they're giving away TVs for a dollar or something. You know, I don't know what it is. You want, want a TV? Yeah, you ought to go with us. We can get a new 45-inch plasma for, you know, whatever, $45. Or I'm exaggerating, whatever it is. I said, yeah, pick me one up on the way. I mean, nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with trying to save money, and if you do that, nothing. If you were part of the Black Friday thing and went out at midnight on, on Thursday to try to save some money on gifts or just have fun, that, that's fine. But, but just, let's just think about the attitude. And I'm all for the businesses making money. I'm the son of a small business guy, okay? But, but I'm all for all that. But, but let's stop and rethink some of this stuff. Let's have some sanity involved with this. Um, maybe we need to think more about needs and vibrancy in people's lives. Think more about what can I do, what can I give to increase or deepen a person's life, his inner person, whether that be a book or whether that be something they can listen to or whether that be an invitation to church, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that in lieu of a gift, but it's something to think about, all right? Um, listen, simplicity equals basics. You simplify Christmas by rethinking the basics for yourselves and for others, and you give accordingly. Whether that be giving a book, whether that be, you know, now we can give, and a lot of us read uh, all of our books, I do now, on my iPad, or the lesser desired, uh, 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 whatever that's called, the, uh, the uh, Kindle thing, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, a little. And we can, we, can, we can gift books that way. I don't know if you know that or not. I just learned how to do that. You can give a, I did that for somebody, and it's one of the books that we have back here in the library, um, in the, uh, I'm sorry, in the Resource Center, which is... Uh, um, the Ken Geyer book back there. It's a Moments with the Savior or something like that. A little devotional. Really good. And I gave it to somebody, gifted it, you know, one of those gifting things that you can do online. And they got back to me and they said, hey, this, this really helped me. This really helped my day. I'm thinking, no, that's, that's, that's what we need to be doing. Thinking through some of that. That doesn't mean that, you know, that some of the, listen, I'm as superfluous and frivolous as you can get. I, if you go to the dictionary and you look it up, superfluous or frivolous gifts, I'm in the middle of I'm the picture of me, okay? So I'm not against that kind of stuff. Because I like that kind of stuff. But let's think a little beyond that as well and think about the inner person. What can I do? What can I give? What can I, how can I help these people that I love or that I'm, that I'm thinking about to really deepen in their, in their own internal inner lives? That's really going to help everybody. 
That's more what we're talking about when we're talking about Christmas.simple, right? So simplicity, you know, that means necessity-ish. Think about that. There's a lot of necessities, and I'm not just talking about food, shelter, and clothing. That's a necessity, certainly. But there's a lot of other necessities that fall under that, under that bracket, particularly those that deal with the inner life. Second word, Christmas.simple. Simplicity. When we talk about necessity-ish, that's one. Two. We need to talk about this anyway. It's, it's, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Gratitude. Gratitude. That's the second thing we talk about. This. And this, listen, here's my hope. I'm going to talk to you about just for a few minutes. The, my hope is that you'll start thinking along the ways that I'm talking about right now, and it'll become even a habit in this next four weeks or so during Advent, and that maybe it will even carry over into 2012. That's my prayer. That's my, real, that's my real goal here. But let me talk about gratitude just for a minute. I want to take you to two places in the Bible. The first one is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Watch this. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. A little battleground here for some people. What are they saying here? Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. Is it God's will for, you to, for whatever happened to happen? No. God's, God's will is never for a person to destroy another person. God's will is never for a person to break somebody's heart intentionally or to hurt them in any way. That's not God's will. What God's will is, is whatever happens to you to be thankful in all your circumstances. That's God's will, whatever they are. It's kind of funny, you know. Years in life teach you this. So many times you look back over some of the things that happened to you that at the time you're going through and you're going, oh, gosh, that was the worst thing in the world that could happen. God help me. Years later sometime you look back on that same thing and you're like, wow, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. I've heard that about people being fired. I've heard that about just about every other area of life. It's amazing how that works. So we, we don't really know when we say, well, that was a bad thing. We don't really know. Now, there are some things that we know at the time that are painful, that are hurtful, and they're just, just unjust, just wrong. And we have to ask God to give us the ability to survive those things with some emotional sanity about us. But we also need to thank God for how he's going to use that whatever it is in our lives. Just keep in mind, this is the same God that, had, that wrote in the Bible, Genesis 50, 20. He meant it for evil. I meant it for good. There can be people who can mean to hurt you and can hurt you that God can still use in good ways. That's an amazing concept to me. That's why I can be thankful. Let me show you another passage. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Um, this is in the Message Translation. Message Translation was written by a guy, a pastor, um, uh, by the name of uh, Eugene Peterson. Pastor churches in, in uh, Canada and around D.C. and around New York. Uh, he's still alive. Just wrote a book called, it's a good book, get somebody. It's called The Pastor by Eugene Peterson. I'm, I was listening to it. You can't talk when you're riding, driving a car in the middle of the night. You can't talk to whoever's with you because you wake up the babies. So you can't talk. So they're right, you can't talk. And I started, hey, you can't talk, Dad. Okay. You can't talk, Rich. Okay. So I put in my earphones and I listened to this book. It's a great book. And uh, I was happy. And I got my, you know, one of my five-hour energy thing. And boom, good to go. I go through a whole book and all that. Anyway, anyway, Eugene Peterson wrote this, the message. He just did a great job with it, I think. And look, look how he translates Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other in step with each other, none of this going off and doing your own thing. Now watch this, and cultivate thankfulness. I love how he translated that. Cultivate, 
cultivate doesn't just happen. It take, I know this being from the rural area of, of Ohio, when you cultivate a crop or something, it takes time. You've got you to gotta, you gotta plow, and then you've got to disc the soil, and you've got to get the soil ready. Then you plant, and you've got to you know, make sure it gets plenty of water and all that. It takes time. Cultivate. Being thankful takes time. Sometimes it is a process. God, I need to be thankful for what's going on right now, and I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. But I need your help. It takes time. So, be thankful in all circumstances, you know. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. Cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. He's speaking of your life. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, watch this, this is amazing. Every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus. Watch this, watch this. Thanking God the Father every step of the way. Thanking God the Father every step of the way. You get the message there? Listen, five bullets real quick. Signs of a grateful person, what are they? Just think about this. You know, when I ask you to think of a person that you know that's really a, you think of as being a really grateful person, you probably can think of a name or maybe even a, you know, picture of a face that you have, oh, you know, my, my father, my grandfather, my mother, my whatever, always a grateful person. I want you to see if you can strive with just some, some of the signs of the grateful people. They're positive. There's an absence of negativity as opposed to the endless whining and complaining and, you know, ah, yeah, yeah, murmuring. Who likes that person? How many times have you said to your, to, your, to your significant other or to your friend or whoever who says, we need to go see so-and-so, and you say, oh, man, all they ever do is complain. I don't want to go over there. I don't want to go see them. Nobody likes that, you know? People who are grateful are just... They're just, they're just an aura. They may not, you know, I'm not talking, just an aura of positivity about them. doesn't mean they're Pollyanna-ish. I don't, I don't mean that at all. But just have an aura of being, hey, this is great, man. God's blessing. I may not like what's going on right now. I may not feel really good, but I'm grateful because I believe, I, I believe God's got something else going on here. A smile is more dominant than a frown in these people. You know, I've read, I don't know if it's true, I've read that it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. I don't know. I sure like seeing it better. You know, how many times you walk into some place and there's a frown, you're like, oh, gee, I'm glad to be here. When's the last time you went to a Walmart greeter and they had, well, in Jersey, you're going to get that. But, I mean, in Ohio, I walked into Walmart and they're like, hey, how are you? I'm like, am I in the right place? Okay. <laughs> um, these people, these people who are grateful, they easily find, they easily find humor in all of life. They don't take themselves so seriously. Made a little study of this. Made a little study of this. I, I, you know, I know who you guys are. I didn't put it on a spreadsheet, so I guess you don't think it's a study, but I, I really made a study about this. I'm being a bit sarcastic there. Um, I've, I've had the, the great fortune of being involved in a lot of young people's lives over the years and when they meet the right person and so forth, and, and, and particularly young ladies. Here's, here's what I, I hear. I, I, I just hear it all. That I've heard it over the years. I can just hear it from different people, think of different. Some of you are here right now. I'll say, so why do you like this guy? 
you know, somebody's dating or maybe they're engaged and we're talking about getting married and so forth. What do you like this guy? I always ask that. I always ask the girls first because I want to hear what they have to say. The guys, oh, she looks good. Oh, she looks good. That's why. I know that answer. <laughs> Been there, still there. But anyway, um, the girls always like to, I always like to say, well, what do you like this guy? And here's what they usually, something, it's something, some form of this. He's nice or he's kind or he's sweet and he's funny. He's, always, he's funny. It's like, well, that must be a pretty attractive quality. And when you think about the people in your life that are very grateful people, it may not be just, you know, stand-up comedians or whatever, but, but there's some humor going on. They're able to find humor even in some of the weird places of life. That's a great quality. These are grateful people. There's a stream of joy that, that, that just, as opposed to that grumpy, you know, gloomy victim persona. And there are people that just have that, and that those people are just grumpy. And, you know, it's like, why do you, how do you live with yourself? Let alone people live with you, you know? God never intended that for people. There's hope. There's eternal hope that the hopeless just cannot hardly understand. I'll tell you, the great preacher, 19th century, Henry Ward Beecher. This is great. L- listen to this. Watch this. Read this with me. This is great. The unthankful heart discovers no mercies. But let the thankful heart sweep through the day. And as the magnet finds the iron, so it will find in every hour some heavenly blessings. Isn't that great? I mean, you can be with a person and go through the same hour, maybe a co-worker, maybe a mate, maybe a friend, go through the same hour and have the same things happen to you that happens to them. And two people, one person comes out, oh, God, and the other person, hey, man, this is great. We're learning. Isn't that crazy? It's true. Christmas.simple involves gratitude. Thankfulness is, is, is like having an automatic default in your brain that goes kind of something like this. I'm a very fallen sinner boy, girl, who can be petty and dishonest incredibly self-absorbed, but in spite of all of that, I'm incredibly unconditionally loved by an almighty God through Christ. I want to tell you something. You get your, you get your mind around that thought, and you're going, to, you're going to just skip through the rest of your life as a one thankful puppy, let me just tell you. Wow, I am one broken sinner guy, gal. And no matter what, God loves me through Jesus unconditionally. Unconditionally. And he knows what you did last night and the night before and last year. And it doesn't change one thing of his love for you and for me. That's incredible. Now that, that always blows me away. You know, thankfulness is realizing that at my very, very best, at my very, very best minute in life, it's not enough to make me acceptable to God. Unless I trust in Christ and His righteousness, that He died my place for my sin that I deserve to die for. But He did it for me. Now and put it like this, Henri Now, and gratitude 
<laughs> Gratitude as a discipline involves a conscious choice. I can choose to be grateful, even when my emotions and feelings are steep and hurt and resentful. It is amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of complaint. It is amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. You're going to have that opportunity probably before you get out these doors, but certainly as soon as you walk out before this day, in the next hour or two, let alone in the next week, you're going to have so many opportunities where you can choose gratitude or to complain. How are you going to handle that? Christmas.simple means we rethink, we refocus, and we start thinking about necessity-ish, things of the soul and the heart and the mind. And we think about gratitude. And may the God who gives abundantly, it's my prayer for all of us, may the God who gives abundantly give you the ability to rethink and to refocus on this whole thing of what's really important. Talk about that with your friends. Talk about that with your family. How can we make this? What are the necessities we need here? I mean, the obvious things. I'm not talking about food and shelter and warmth and clothing and all that. I'm talking about the other things, the inner things, the inner person. Talk through that. Think about that. Pray about that. And may the God who gives abundantly give you the ability to think through that and to, and to make that happen. May the God who gives abundantly, and he does, give you the ability to walk through the day and the week, through Advent and into 2012, with an attitude that just is just grateful just gratitude. With all the opportunities that I have to choose either gratitude or a complaint, that I would choose gratitude. Tell you what, it's going to take God. It's going to take God working in you and in me to make that happen. And he will. And he will. Let's pray together and ask God to work in all of our lives. Lord God, thank you so much for the opportunity, privilege, ability to come together and and stop and focus and, and refocus in some cases, to focus in a brand new way for many of us. Help us to do that. Help us to think through this. Give us the ability to do that as we trust you, Lord. Thank you for each person here. Pray for you to work in their lives and in their heart. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.